I'm Lauren. And I'm Annie. Welcome, Welcome to, to Burf Bar. Sponsored by Two Times Butt Shield, but not really. <laughs> Just because we like saying butt shield. <laughs> Uh, I would like, if it was at all possible, to get... The only sponsor in the world was Two Tom's Butt Shield, and they literally sent me just ten little butt wipes a year. <laughs> that would be all that I would really need in the whole world sponsorship-wise. So if you're listening, Two Tom's Butt Shield... Please send one Two Times Butts. <laughs> <laughs> and that's math. <laughs> so this week... Big news. We're going to do the race report out for Ozarks 100. Who doggies. There's a lot to talk about, and I think a lot of you have been waiting patiently while we get this out, but... Uh, but, you know, we were, like, bandaging our wounds, sleeping uh-huh. 12 hours a night, uh-huh. trying to eat as much pork sandwiches as possible yep. for, you know, ultimate recovery. And uh, so now I would say I'm back at 100%, which is the fastest I've ever recovered from 100 And I am partially recovered from crewing because let's agree that that's the harder part of this. Obviously. Obviously. I mean, holding still and trying to stay awake is way harder than trying to stay awake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't even finish reading my book. Um. God damn it. I really got in the way of Annie's good time. So it was just the two of us this time, which is probably the smallest crew we've ever operated on other than Annie doing Penhody completely solo last year, which is just a... An absurd feat that no one should ever try. That sounds like a bad time. <laughs> uh, and it was a close call. There was a small chance that Annie couldn't join me this time. So I was mentally prepared to stay in a cabin alone Friday, drive the whole eight hours there, run the race, sleep in a sad, lonely cabin on Sunday night, and then drive another eight lonely hours home. And that was a daunting feeling. And also with my injury, I couldn't pace regardless. Mm-hmm. So. Lauren was prepared for no pacers. Yeah, and I think actually, as it turns out, that is now how I operate best. I would say the only person I would still take is Annie's husband, Andy, because for some reason, his attitude of like, fuck that rock, fuck that tree, fuck this race, is all I ever need in the world. Every time. I think it's worth mentioning that Lauren and my husband have matching tattoos on their thighs that say don't. Does that seem weird? It's not. It's completely normal in our circle of friends. So, uh, and it essentially means don't be pitiful. Don't Don't be pitiful. Don't be a big, don't be a big old baby. Yep. Let's get into this. All right, let's do it. So, uh, I'm going to start with uh, sort of like the prep and the coaching that I used in order to get ready for Ozarks. I've really primarily either have just completely winged it in the past or done exactly whatever Annie is doing and hope for the best. I think it's wung it. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. That's the best tense. <laughs> wung it. <laughs> uh, I wung it pretty hard for Not Your Mamas, um, and then I trained for San Diego with Annie, who was at the time being coached by Ryan Gelfie through Trails and Tarmac, and I just sort of snuck into that Excel spreadsheet. It's okay. It, it, he's not math, yeah. I promise. <laughs> um but now I actually use Ryan Gelfie as my coach, and I have to say it has been night and day. And actually, I should also mention that Jen Shelton really set me up. So I had Jen right before Ryan, and we had maybe two or three months together. And I was also training with Jen in a completely different way than I'm used to. And Ryan sort of carried the tone over from what we had been establishing, mm-hmm. which is relatively low volume, uh, running on time and not miles, and running on feel and really not exact paces. And a speed workout once a week. And a speed, yeah. And, I mean, that speed will rip your mm, face off. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Jen was actually more brutal than Ryan, and Ryan knows it. He was like, he had you, she had you doing some, like, really mean workouts. <laughs> so I was primed, and I feel like this is the first time in a whole season that I've ever felt not broken, not injured, not not totally strong. fatigued. Yeah. I've never felt strong before. I felt mentally ready before and, like, felt like I put the miles down. But, but maybe, never... like, you had to drag your body along with yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and you had always... a really good ramp up, too. So along with Jen coaching you for a couple months, she coached you up to the Barkley Fall Classic, where right. you had a really strong finish, where yes. you PR'd your time, despite the fact that that course continues to get harder and harder each year. <sighs> Escaped that with a strong performance and without having injury. And it, I think it really set you up really well for Ozarks mentally and physically to be like, hmm, I'm in really good shape. That yes. didn't hurt my brain. Yes. Um, I'm ready to go. And then continued uh, coaching with Brian to kind of tune you up for Ozarks. That's basically exactly what happened. So I, I went in, at, you know, maybe dangerously confident. Uh, my friend Kevin Henschel, the hench potench, he likes to say you should never go into a race unless you are envisioning yourself winning that race. And I used to sort of write that off because I thought I'm a mid to backpacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, my vision for myself is finishing. And we're foreshadowing this a little bit, but you and I talked, we actually had a conversation before the race about when do we start being those people, the people that are competitors or that can shoot for a certain finishing time because up till now for the most part it's been about finishing and yeah. certainly not like phoning it in and you know doing no, less than you're capable of throwing yourself at the wall yeah and seeing what happens instead of being like this is the goal that I'm going for how do I get to that yeah and it does make us wonder a little bit that you know how long does it take to to put your hard work and training in before you start to feel like you can actually be a competitor. I yeah. And I would say that this is the first season that I feel without that sort of impostery feeling sure. that I feel like I can compete. That said, it was a pretty small field. I'm not trying to qualify it. But uh, locally, and not in the West, yeah. I feel like I can... And, and better than that, I can also say, like, pretty much... Not down to the, well, down to the hour that I can say, like, this is the time I'm going for. I know how to execute that. Yeah. So, yeah, so let's talk, let's talk about that then. So for goals for this race going in, you know, we've taught, I think it's pretty standard practice to have, like, a top tier goal. You know, what, what do I expect to happen and what's kind of my worst case scenario do I still expect to get or your A, B, and C goals. So sure. what were yours? Well, first I'd like to plug the Lauren Fleshman Compete Journal. <laughs> if you don't have one. You need it. You will go to sleep clutching it in your arms. It is luscious to touch, and it will help you become a better athlete. Um, it's a, and it's a good snuggler. It's a good snuggler. Uh, so I, I always write down my goals there, and I talk to them, t- talk to Ryan about them. And my goals this time, my A goal was to podium. My B goal was to just PR my time, which I was hoping would be in like the 26 to 27. And your previous PR was 28 and a half from Mohican, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so from Mohican 100. Yep, and then my C goal was to just buckle. Just get to the line, no matter what. 32 hour cutoff, I figured it's taken me close to that long before. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if the wheels fall off and I need to drag myself in by my fingernails, my C goal is to get that buckle. And they all seemed like pretty reasonable endings to this story to me because there are just so many factors going into 100 that even if everything's there, your training, your, you know, your guts, your mind, 
like I mean your throw up guts, not like your <laughs> not like your tenacity. Not like your instincts. No. Literally your intestines. Literally your GI system. And, and you know, so you have all all of these things in order and then You're wow, still spinning a roulette wheel. You you roll an ankle on a wet rock. You know, or you slough off the bottom of your entire foot, which happened to so many people at this race. Yeah. I saw some grisly photos on some blogs yesterday. <laughs> Ew. Some people have molted the entire <laughs> flesh of their foot for this race. You want a new foot? Go run Ozarks and molt off your old foot. My pal Jen, who I met at this race, uh, she ended up being last mule in the barn. She and I started off together. And she is just a strong, strong lady, and she had completely lost the flesh of her feet. Woo. So way to go, Jen. Um, so when it came down to race day, I was pretty mellow. Uh, I slept pretty well in the uh, dusty, bug-infested cabin. <laughs> I think the night before was the night... Well, no, there was ladybugs everywhere. That's That was an odd observation from the weekend. Like, there were ladybugs just flying everywhere. everywhere. Bees, uh, bees and bugs everywhere. And lots of little, like, kind of fat black gnats that yeah. kept flying into my eyes and yeah. nose. That's a bizarre Whatever. side observation. It's the least of my worries. But had a pretty good sleep. Annie made me a delightful breakfast. And a, the also the previous night, the blandest food of all time, which is what I requested. Yeah, it was pretty funny. We typically, before races, whoever's running crewing, we have, like, a crew prep meeting. And so we were, Lauren and I were going through what are, you know, what's the meal plan? What time do we need to wake up in the morning? And I said, what do you want for dinner Friday night before the race starts? And she was like, bland. She said, whatever's bland. I, I said, maybe, do you mean, like, rice and a tortilla? And she was like, yes, that. And I was like, Oh, and maybe some Ew. cheese? And she was like, yeah, some cheese. <laughs> yeah, that's what I wanted. But yeah, the the whitest, uh, blandest yeah. food you could think of. I know myself, and my biggest issue in 100 and even smaller distances is that my gut flips, and that I spend most of the day, guys, I'm sorry, puking and pooping. Fire sale. Fire. Future, <laughs> reference in the future as a fire sale. Everything, Everything must, must go. go. <laughs> <laughs> also, Yeah, also peeing. It's like... My body is like, nutrients? No, no, no. <laughs> we must these. rid ourselves of these. <laughs> Make so. her lighter. <laughs> Make her faster. <laughs> and it's always with like 20% of a race left to go where I'm like, oh, I did such a good job. And then it's like, oh. Blah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it's so. almost, it's funny because we've talked about it. the time spent going to the bathroom is like the limiting factor. It's unbelievable. I yeah. spent one hour pooping at Mohegan. 100. Tally that up, folks. I spent three of her husband's fresh cotton buffs (laughs) on my booty trying to get to that finish line. So it was my absolute intention to set myself up for success. I wasn't going to eat any vegetables because I know Mm -hmm. that flips my guts. No coffee in the morning because that flips my guts, which is the saddest thing ever because it's very hard to do that without coffee. But I just knew myself and I knew what I had to do to not throw up. And I'd also talked to Ryan about like, how can I try to avoid all this sickness? And he has actually experienced a lot of it. He just attempted an FKT recently, which I think he made it over 100 miles yeah. in. But he also had some gut issues. This dude's running, like, 830s. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that was his, quote, death pace. <laughs> <laughs> GI issues are for everyone. They're for everyone. Fast or slow. <laughs> They're for everyone. So we talked about eating a lot less calories because Annie and I usually operate in the system in which we eat hundred to 120 calories every 30 minutes, mm-hmm. no, without fail. Yeah. And he said, Hey, maybe if your guts feel crappy, you just ease off and don't eat anything for a little while. Yeah. And I'm not used to relieving myself of that crutch of yeah. just like, now we eat the Reese's peanut yeah. butter cups. 
Yeah. That's like right, left, right, left. Yes. Eat every 30. Eat every 30. I can't Mm -hmm. not do it. But I successfully managed that this time. So You know, it's cliche. They talk about being an experiment of one when it comes to ultra running. But it's really true to to take the opportunity to test things on yourself to get to a point where it's better. And not just accept, Mm -hmm. I eat every 30. We eat every 30 minutes. And not seeing that as maybe something that's a variable that's contributing to GI issues. So I was really glad that I deviated from that typical plan yeah. and I went with tailwind which I'm also plugging here as the only thing that doesn't make me sick in the whole world so yeah. we got started in the early morning it was a little chilly willy it was pitch black dark there were it looked like very few runners there yeah. behind some school buses the ended race, up being about uh I want to say about 60 runners 60, 55 to 60 yeah, runners at the start line and uh, a lot of people took the bus shuttles which I'm glad I didn't have to do because I had Annie um but it, there was really no fanfare. The yeah. The race began literally on a country road. Intersection, A yes. country road intersection. Yeah. Um, no flags, no bells or whistles. It was just like... You did have a start banner. Did I? You did. Oh, okay. <laughs> I missed a lot of this day. <laughs> Tell you what, a lot. So we had a mile and a half out and back to spread out the field, which they could have done in 0.25 miles because people yeah. just seated themselves in their positions quickly. Yeah. And just to be clear, so a mile and a half out, mile and a half back, three-mile total turnaround. On Jeep um, Road. Because there was a couple people that were expecting y'all back in a mile and a half pace, and somebody was like, uh, oh, no, it's a mile and a half out and back. So it was a three-mile total to try and get people thinned out before the single track. Which, to his credit, the RD said he put that in there because you then proceed to have 97 miles of single track, yes. which which is valid. Yeah. It's also quite delightful as far as I'm concerned. I'm a person who d- didn't enjoy races like Burning River, so a course that's like singularly on single track was Actually really appealing to me. Mm-hmm. Um just less wear and tear on my hip bones and my knees. I really loved it. Yeah. So I got in my position, which was second to last. And we should actually, I want to reference something else too. At the end of each race, we do what we call a logistics review. Mm-hmm. And we had gone through past logistics reviews. And I think you even went through on your own to say, to pick out nuggets that would be applicable mm-hmm. for Ozark. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning of Pinhoti, when you ran, everybody there was also an out and back section and you had felt the pressure to keep up with the pack because between people being anxious about starting a race and it being on a flatter terrain, people tend to blow it out despite the fact, despite the fact that there's a hundred miles to go. Yeah. The the out and back was a total of 13 at Penhody. Yeah. And by mile 13, I got to my crew and I was DFL. Yeah. And I was um, uh, going a minute per mile faster than my intended pace. And yeah. I was like, what the fuck is going <laughs> yeah. on? So that can be a crazy spot to be in. But you had made a note to yourself, do not be I wrote anxious. it everywhere. Yeah. I wrote it everywhere. I wrote it in every note and keep on yeah. my Google phone. And I wrote, like, ignore all others' paces. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So I settled in um, behind these two lovely women who I think were both... Leadville and Western States runners, a lot of people from the West, yeah. a lot of Colorado runners, almost all the women were from the West Yeah, um, and sort of sat behind them for a bit. Uh, I noticed that my skill level was definitely descending, which they were really nervous about and yeah. their skill level was definitely, they were flying on the hill. So it was yeah. like after the first six miles, I said, well, guys, have a good day. It was really nice meeting you. Yeah. And I was like, 
I'm going to walk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I turned on the audiobook tape of The Shining. You know, just something chill. Something light. Yeah. You know, just in a nice, dense morning fog uh-huh. in the woods by yourself. Yeah. In the fall, it's just good to give yourself an extra yeah. chill. Yeah, because there was no book specifically about a woman running a 100-mile race getting murdered in the woods. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> Next obviously, thing. I would have been listening to that. So uh, I, I sort of, like, just, I really wanted to turn my head off because my mm-hmm. head was saying, this is how you're going to finish this race. In last place. Yeah. And and I was like, maybe this is going to be too hard. Maybe it's not going to be fun. Maybe it's going to be lonely. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, yeah. God. And I was like, it's just time to listen to a book. And I didn't think about anything for probably 35 more miles. Yeah. Uh, I checked into the first aid station at mile 14. Yeah. So I got to see her at the turnaround spot when they got to three miles and saw her huffing around like the last sick elephant in the herd, which is great because that's <laughs> where she needed to be. Um, and then saw her <laughs> at mile 14. Every, pretty much every aid station was a road crossing for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, because again, the Ozark is a 300 plus mile long stretch of of single track, which is wonderful, but it means that it's also pretty remote. It's so, exceptionally remote. Yeah, yeah, so aid stations were at road crossing. So mile fourteen, which uh, was probably the shortest, di- the shortest time wise between when I saw you and when I saw you, um, and she came out <laughs> like at pretty much the same at every aid station. Just like, hello, I need this. I need this. Here's my trash. I need this. Bye. Bye. It was yeah. without fanfare, but also we've had experiences in the past at Mohican where it's been a little bit more like, uh, grisly? grim, grim, yeah, like yeah. a little more grim where like, it's it's like death race face, be yes, burritos, yes, or I will and just die. like very intense. Um, and it was very just, uh huh. I need this. I need this. This tastes good. Done with this. I really wasn't thinking, which was nice. Yeah. So I I went out of there, and then I think I past those two. Actually, the one girl that I'd started with had dropped by 14 already, right? Yeah. First aid yes. station? Well, I don't know if one had already dropped out before them, but two dropped out at mile 14. Oh my goodness. Yeah. What a bummer. So I really wanted all the women early. to stay. Yeah. You always want to be a competitor amongst many yeah. as opposed to, you know. Yeah. Being... You want to beat other people yeah. at the best. Yeah, yeah. you do. Um, and so... I think it's worth mentioning, so the mile 14 aid station was Sutton Bluff, which Holy as a, shit, which was forgot. really funny because neither one of us had really realized it until we were in the event. So Sutton Bluff, where the mile 14 aid station was, is actually where we started our Ozark training run that we detailed. I last noticed week's it and I was like, oh my God, this Smith it bridge was, looks so familiar. It was so surreal. And it's funny, I was talking to the camp host. Uh, Randy, who's been the camp host for six years and just loves the race, which pretty much every local did. But I was telling him about us doing the training run and essentially Ozark 100 goes north from Sutton Bluff and our training run went south from Sutton Bluff. And so I was telling him that we went south on our 50 mile training run to Powder Mill and he said, oh, you guys went the hard way. Wow. And I thought, okay. I thought, validation. <laughs> I had no idea. Well, yeah. so nice then that I went the easy way for this race. So what's funny is I had several opportunities to talk about why I was there because a couple I had only come in contact with maybe three runners, maybe two, three runners who wanted to talk to me at all. And they were like, oh, well, well what brings you to the Ozark 100? And I was like, 
well, funny you should ask, because I'd been alone for so many hours that I was yeah. like, "What's the one time I was here with my friend? I was lost in a bobcat." And people were like, "People gave me absolutely no feedback." To really? This. They were like, "Huh?" And they were like, "Keep running." I was like, "Um, I probably shouldn't talk about myself anymore today." So, I was, which we've experienced before, we've told the, the what we consider a pretty epic story that we told last episode before, and had people just be like, "Uh huh, uh huh, okay." Yeah, I don't know. It depends, including a one famous Mr. Laz Lake, who was just like, huh. <laughs> Can't really impress that man. But yeah, so I had told these two, these two kind of adorable bro-y dudes from Chicago this store, and they were like, yep, good, and they like took a bite of jerky and flew away. <laughs> I actually came in contact with those guys later after I had told them that story, because I caught up with them, and there was... <laughs> There's a man just standing on the trail with his bare white butt facing me and his friend facing him as though they had participated in an exercise in which you hold your friend's hands and he poops right directly off the side of the trail. Which is what I do with with my (laughs) five-year-old. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I stopped and I covered my eyes and I yelled out, "Um, go ahead, I'll wait. He goes, (laughs) this fucking kills me. He goes, no, it's okay. I already wiped. (laughs) (laughs) This is the trail community, that they're willing to, like, not only be seen by you, but also to tell you expressly the details of... Their poop sesh. Their poop sesh. (laughs) And also, want to be clear, neither one of us is squeamish at all about potty stuff, you know, but maybe you don't want to get in on somebody's poopy... But, yeah, I don't yeah. know. He was, he was so proud <laughs> okay, of himself. Wife. So I kept, he was like, no, you can keep coming. So I came up and he was still kind of like adjusting his, uh, his, you know, basketball shorts or whatever insane thing he was wearing for this race. And I was like, well, I guess we're all family here. He goes, I'm not embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay. That's great. Uh, I think kind of along the same lines as the it's okay I wiped people being relatively unimpressed with the Bobcat story and just their pace like at the beginning in general in in general you had mentioned that you had picked this race too as a race of utility mm-hmm. which I thought was a perfect summation for the race the people that ran it the mm-hmm. art like the people who put it on everybody mm-hmm. and all that to mean not to mean minimal or anything like that but to mean like no get the thing done get it done yeah, no, we're here no to support glory. you to get your thing done, but you got to do the work. Yeah, and I actually like to speak to that point, which is that I can't tell you how much I would recommend this race. The passion of the people that help organize this race is unparalleled. Yeah. Um, I met this wonderful woman. Kathy Brennan. Kathy Brennan from the Ozark Trail Association, who had given a small speech at the beginning of the race, uh, what is it called? The, the race meeting. Mandatory race yeah. meeting, yeah. Um, and... She had said to, you know, 60 runners and all of their loved ones, we've leaf blown major parts of the trail. And everyone laughed and she goes, I'm not joking. We leaf, we have leaf blown the trail for you. Yeah. A like, quarter mile each way eat at from each road crossing. I can't tell you what a glorious blessing that was because you would be like trudging along and then you'd get, you know, you'd be coming close to an aid station because 
it would look like your mother had come and swept the middle of the living room and there was just this glorious buffed trail. And then you would just run like the wind because you knew that Kathy Brennan was going to be at this next aid station and she was at almost all of them. Yeah, I saw her all day everywhere. What There must be more than one of her. And her enthusiasm for people running the race was really awesome. Yeah, and she had, I mean, if you have the opportunity and you do have love for the Ozark Trail, they do have opportunities to donate uh, to their organization on their website, which is, I think, maybe what I'm asking for for Christmas because it just... What it gave back to me was was really deep. Yeah. Um, also, the race directors are the cutest people in the entire world. I want to yeah. pinch their buns. Yeah. I don't care if they hear it. Yeah. One has done uh, the Superior 100 in Minnesota. 20 times. 20 times, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, the other gentleman is a hard rocker. Yeah. And uh, just just the cutest, like, if 80, if 1980s style road runners became ultra runners. Yes. You you get the the yeah, like you get swishy the gist. track pants and like a pre race uh, fanny pack. Yep, it was it was just great. Like after the after the start, um, one of the co RDs he was gonna drive to the first aid station to make sure that it was set up, and he was like, oh, you know, I probably have to take. I'd probably have to take my take the start banner down so my car would go under the banner, mm-hmm. you know, could get through there. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to run. And he just took off and run to the first <laughs> aid station. Like, again, su- like such a thing of utility. Like, well, can't get there with my car. I'm just going to run like I usually do. That's amazing. Is it Stuart? <laughs> no. Oh, the other guy. Yeah. I wish I could remember his name right yeah. now. Uh, Stuart is my pal. He was one of the co, he's one of the two co, co- RDs. He was up at the road with an old 35 millimeter camera at the beginning of almost every single aid station that I went to, and he would look through the camera, and I would make my horrible face, and he wouldn't know that I was making my famous horrible face, and he would put the camera down, and he'd go, oh, hi, Lauren, because he had remembered that I met him the night before, which is just adorable, and he was just like, you're doing so good, have a good day, and it was just so matter-of-fact and great. Um, And also, I don't know, there were so many race people that I saw all day everywhere. Uh, Stuart was all... Everywhere I don't all know day. how people Kathy must have just was everywhere themselves. all day. I mean, and typically, I don't know if it's because it was a smaller pack, but um, Ozark is a point-to-point race, which means the farther you go, the farther everybody else stretches out. So mm-hmm. it's really hard to be at every place that people will be, but yeah. they, they managed it for a lot of it. Yeah, I was also really lucky that this is one of the first races that I was coming into later aid stations and they had not been packing up the fruit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that can be a horrible feeling to feel like... Um, where you were just waiting yeah, on, or, on me. And I know people, like, and personally I've experienced this, where you come through, like, right after they've taken the finish line down. Oh. Or, the, or it's like, oh, well, we have these old pancakes and, like, <laughs> and, like the wet M&Ms. Yeah, I've been yeah. to that place. But, yeah, so somehow I man- managed to be there when all the aid stations were stocked. And let me say, it was like they called someone that I loved and said, what are the things that Lauren Kraft needs in an aid station? Well, she needs PBR, Coca-Cola, ginger ale, tiny, tiny chopped potatoes, (laughs) and hot quesadillas. And ramen. And ramen. I did not eat a single cold food at this race. And I know it's such a princess problem, but I'm telling you right now, Temperature matters. Temperature matters. And I just, I'm, I'm even in this moment so grateful that every bite of food that I had that day was like, yes. And not yeah. like, papui. Yeah. Because I'm so used to being sick and eating cold food and just feeling like shit. Yeah. I think it was mile 25 or 30 that they, I think that the aid station had jokingly lined up 
Evan Williams fireball and three different kinds of beer as though it were like a festival and like you know you come up to the beer tent and it's like yeah. these are our options yeah. and they were like kind of cracking themselves up about it and yeah. I was like they're like what do you need honey I was like I will take a half a PBR and a cup of boiled potatoes and they were like are, really I was like yeah it sounds super good <laughs> and I swear to God it was like the nectar of the gods for some reason the calories and the bubbliness and the sort of weedy taste of yeah. beer that wasn't sweet was yeah. just like what the doctor ordered. So I did that. Hipsters know what they're doing. They do. I did that at every aid station that it was available. Yeah. Um, which still only totals maybe one beer. So yeah. don't go thinking I was being all crazy. Although, but Although it works for some. It so. works for some, but, you know, you burn it off in like 10 seconds. So And it was pretty great because one of the things, I'll say one of the more arduous things that I'd been tasked with as a crew person, <laughs> which was not much, was at some of the later aid stations to have quesadillas and ramen ready to go, which is hard, again, to make sure that it's warm and ready when you need it. Um, and I would get to an aid station, I'm like hey, um, do you guys have quesadillas and ramen? They were like, yep. And I was like, don't have to get out the stove. So I did not have to cook anything the whole time, yeah. which And, and which they had all awesome. the cold things that I needed that I, that I had put in my cooler for Annie to give me. They had all of those things too. Yeah. So we got through mile 14, went through 30, you had a PBR, which like slingshot you into mile 40. Um, so I didn't see... Crew, the crew aid stations is 14 and then mile 40, which it, it's a long time. It was. Um, I don't know that it seemed... It didn't bother it me did, at all. Yeah. I was listening to The Shining and I was still in the no brain zone. Yeah, yeah. I was fine. Yeah, it seemed pretty non-eventful. And then you came into mile 40 and that's when you had to take one of your three poops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you... That was mile 40? That was mile 40. Mm-hmm. No, I thought that was mile 14. No, that was 40. Oh. 14 was the shelter with the real bathroom because I remember... <gasps> oh, wow. Then that means I was feeling really fresh at mile 40. Yes, you were. Holy Yeah, because when you came into 14, I was like, hey, look, they have real bathrooms, which means not a porta potty And you were like, eh. And I was like, oh, this is a good sign. Like, <laughs> Lauren never turns down real bathrooms. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So I squeezed out a diamond of a poop at 40, which in my memory, that is mile 14. So that gives you an indication yeah. of how fresh I was feeling yeah. at 40. I did change my shoes. I started in the Solomon Sense Pro Maxes, which are a lovely trail shoe with good good cushioning. However, if you're used to your foot being in an ultra shoe, and if you're used to a wide toe box, this is not the shoe for you. Yeah. I wish to God it was because yeah. the grip is unreal. Yeah. But what I'm looking for is the toe box of an ultra or a yeah. New, ba- new on Balance a Solomon. Hero <laughs> on a Solomon. Yeah. Please. The Solomons are indestructible shoes. Their grip was unbelievably good, which is great because the first 30 miles were super technical. Lots yeah. of mossy, wet rocks, descents with like jagged, sharp rocks, yeah. a lot they like. Very porous rock at Ozark, yeah. Pretty dangerous to descend, but I never felt uncomfortable doing it. I felt like that was one of the things that was sending me ahead was this awesome grip. So, and then I switched over to uh, a nameless shoe, the Arcteryx, which also ended up being not great for me, yeah. unfortunately. Not because toe box, because they're pancakes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you came into 40, it was, uh, and you were like, I'm sorry, I'm taking so long. I was like, get, honestly, you still weren't. So between You know like, me though, I, I need to rip like aid stations off like a band aid. Yeah. I never want no to comfort. Linger, no sit, sitting. No comfort. Yeah. Um, she essentially needs to come into an aid station to be yelled at to get yes. out. <laughs> I want you to smack my ass, put a quesadilla in my mouth and be like, leave it out of here. Yeah. That's what I want. Yep. So we switched out some things in your pack. You changed your shoes because of uh, tightness. Not wet, right? I no. don't think they were wet. The the the, 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 the 
hello, the river crossings were not bad at all. Yeah, and there was, because uh, there was quite a bit of conversation around river crossings and keeping your feet dry, and there was a lot of people that changed their socks and shoes quite a bit. I think that bothers people more than it bothers me. Yeah. For some reason, either my shoes drain well or my feet have really tough soles. Just got real dry feet. <laughs> I have really dry feet. <laughs> it didn't bother me too much. Yeah. Um. So I don't remember anything that happened between... 40 and 55. So you do because do you, so you took, I think you took maybe three servings of food with you when you left 40 mm-hmm. and then you got to the next aid station, mm-hmm. which was a big stretch. So that's, that's one thing again, that goes back to this theme of utility. The Ozark aid stations are not every five miles. There are, there are 10, what was the highest one? 10. Uh, 10 there was mile more than chunks. One 10. Yeah. There's 10 mile <sighs> chunks where there's no aid stations, which is not, I mean, I don't think it's a deterrent for running a race. It's just a different course feature to, that you have yeah. to be mentally prepared for. And my mind was not ready for that. However, I, I did remember flying from 40 to 50. I had yeah. some really runnable flat terrain. Yeah. And then I got to 55.8, which I am now remembering because it was my favorite aid station in the world. Not, no theme, no decoration, just a shitload of people partying. Like, People drinking beer, the Ozark Trail Association people were there, a bunch of kids were there, and you came through and it was like a gauntlet. There were people on both sides, and people were just like shoving stuff in your pack, trying and they oh they had warm creamy potato soup, which was the bomb. Yeah. And they gave the kids had been making these bracelets that were just rubber bands that had a piece of tape on it that said mile fifty five point eight. Yeah. yeah. And for some reason that was like receiving Tolkien's ring. <laughs> I was like <laughs> Thank you. Like, I don't know why, but like tiny talismans when you're having a hard time is like a really nice, you know, little juice to go ahead. And it doesn't only mean something during the race. Even now we're like going through stuff packed from the race. I want it. Have you found my rubber band bracelet yet? It's not (laughs) just something you throw away when you're done. It becomes this token of things that occurred during the event. Absolutely. Um, so 55 to 65 was a 10 mile gap, right? Because I didn't see you. And is that when you went? out and no that was okay okay so 55 did it was it dark then yes it was was because i left 55 like maybe a little too hot and then i went a quarter mile down trail and i thought i didn't pack any food for a 10 mile stretch so i walked back to the aid station i just knew yeah this is a a right decision this is a a right decision though so i came back in and they were like hey like 15 people like she's back i was like (laughs) I need to pack food. And this is when Kathy from the Ozark Trail Association was like, what do you need? What do you need? I'll pack it for you right now. Yeah. And she like gave me a Ziploc bag of all these goodies, like <laughs> Snickers and a bunch of, That's I just great. wanted to Like you were her. trick-or-treating. The best. Yeah. So I took my Snickers and finally left on that 10 mile stretch. And then that is the way to what? Berryman's? Where is 65? Yeah, 65 is at Berryman's. Maybe. No. Mm. Hazel Creek. Hazel Creek. Because this is a place where famously people drop. Yes. I don't know why. No, I mean, you I do, said you do, I do know, know why. why. She actually specifically came into yeah. Hazel Creek and said, okay. I know why people drop here. Yeah, it's because you are kind of, after that, it's gotten more technical again, and you're sort of losing steam, and then you it's have... It's gotten dark, you've had a 10-mile stretch. It's just, you start, you. I, I started going down the rabbit hole here yeah. a little bit, and then I got in there... And I, 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 like, sort of did the Annie Lang check-in, which is, like, am I bleeding from the eyes? Do I want to die? Is the world ending? No. Then there are no other questions to be asked about yeah. leaving this aid station. Yeah. So I kind of got my shit together. Yeah. And you had a little bit, I, cause I think that was the first time you sat in the chair. 
Oh yeah. Which w- and the, it was only uh, to change shoes. It was again. only to change shoes. Like it was not a I'm resting. It no. was just no. It I'm was changing shoes. Um, there was something else you had. Uh, we refilled your bladder. You had some quesadillas. Did you have a five-hour energy? Did you have some caffeine then? Yes, I did. Was that... That was when I left and you followed me with the soup? No. No? No, that was later. That was later. Okay, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. So, So, mile 65 is the Taco Cat aid station. Yes. Okay, so our new friend PT and his pals had matching and labeled sombreros, like fancy sombreros. Uh, The place was lit. It was a party. It was great, which was really nice because they... A lot of people who have been at this race in previous years, because I think it's worth mentioning, this is the ninth year that they've run Ozarks, which in the span of ultras is is a long time. Yeah, it's a pretty old race, Um, comparatively. And people had talked about how, we haven't even talked about the temperature, which is crazy. Um, uh, People were saying how in years past, Hazel Creek was always the coldest place, like that it tends to be 10 degrees colder than the rest of the course. And just to give you an indication of how cold that was last year, that the water on the tables was... They would tip the table and sheets of ice would roll off. I mean, so typically a very cold race. And I ended up icing my buff at every (laughs) single aid station where there wasn't crew. Yeah, because it was pretty much 65 to 72 degrees. With 100% humidity. All day. It... The temperature did not drop when it got to be nighttime. It just essentially stayed the same and then started to warm up till morning, which was really a, a strange phenomenon yeah. because usually you get a break at night. Um, and I think I, I saw some runners struggling with keeping cool because mm-hmm. I think in their heads they were thinking, I'm I should wear a down not, jacket yeah, tonight. Yeah, or I should not be hot because it's dark, it's November, this yep. race is always cold. And yep. it's like, you know, if you're hot, you're, you're, you're hot. hot. Yeah. But I had, I mean... I'd given Annie a drop box with a down jacket, wool socks, and wool gloves, and I iced my head every single aid station. Yeah. So, so you leave Taco Cat aid station. I leave Taco three. Cat, and... Uh, oh, and you took polls. And I took polls. Yeah. So I looked down at my phone, and I had I thought I had it on uh, airplane mode, but I had, I guess, forgotten that I had not, and then I saw a message come through that I had assumed was from Annie, but I just read it without reading it who it was from, and it said, I think you're in fourth place. And it turned out it was from my husband who was watching the live tracking. And I was like, oh, holy shit. Because I had no frame of reference of where I was. So then I passed three or four women, some of which I realize now are pacers. Mm -hmm. But it was really hard to know that um, when you're, I don't know, my brain wasn't working. So I was sort of trying to gauge where I was. I I wasn't letting myself get excited yet because I was still really unsure and there was a lot of shakeup between 65 Tons. and 76. So uh, I think it's worth mentioning people getting lost. And yeah. just So right around mile 69 or 70, I went straight up this Jeep road. And then uh, about a quarter mile in, I thought, this race is 97% on single track. There's no way there's a Jeep road. I'm not on trail. And then I saw a headlamp come down at me. And it was a woman and a man. And the man was pacing. And I said... Uh oh, I'm going the wrong way, huh? And sh- and the woman said, "Yes, we've been lost for 40 minutes. We took the road all the way up till it tees into the actual road." And I was like, "Oh shit, I'm so sorry." I said, "Oh, are you Abby?" And she was like, "Yeah." I said, "Are you first female?" And she was like, "Well, I was." And she was not at all shitty about it. She was just yeah. like, "I've got spooky belly," which is what my family calls it. <laughs> I've got spooky belly. I don't feel good. 
just just take it. It was yeah. what essentially in some words what she said to me. She was like, just go. Yeah. I was like, well, let's find And she it. had been leading all day. Right. Which I didn't know. I just heard some dudes that knew her talking between 65 and 70 about who was in the lead. Yeah. So she and I found the trail together. And when we got to the trail, we thought that the third woman was behind us. And I said, oh, great. We're, we're all here now. <laughs> I said, why don't we just call it an arm wrestle for the title? And the, the woman who I thought was in third was like, huh? <laughs> she was a pacer. I was really confusing her. Yeah. So I headed out on the trail and Abby blazed me for miles. Yeah. She ran every hill. She really was, I think, trying to put a lead on me. And then I talked to a couple guys from her hometown and they were like talking, they were talking about what a strong athlete she was. Yeah. And cause I was like, oh man, she's jacked. Yeah. And they were like, well, just keep your pace and maybe you'll get her. And I was like, oh, uh, okay, I mean, that's my plan anyway. Yeah. I'm going to go this pace. <laughs> Thank you for anything the strategy. Else, anything else is a side effect of yes. me continuing to do this. Mm, oh, 1730s? Yes, I think I will run some. <laughs> and we had talked before the race because your A goal was to podium. We don't typically, and I say this, we like we ran the race together, but we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't typically scope out competition, but we had looked at the other women running the race, and there was there was... There was like three, four, maybe five ringers like on yes. women that we were like, okay, well, you might be, I mean, and we said that, I said this verbatim. I was like, yeah, so maybe the podium thing is not something yes. that you keep as a focus because if if your best case scenario goal makes you less likely to finish the race or something because you're anxious about catching them. Then so we literally were like, maybe not think Let about podium at all go. because... Abby's won several, several hundreds. hundreds. Uh, Dustine has won, or Dusty has won several ultras. So it was kind of like, um, and neither Lauren nor I up to this point had won ultras. So this was like, it was, it felt like they were out of our league, it essentially. It was like, oh, Western runners who've done Western states, people who, I mean, yeah. some of these women had done like 50 ultras and I was like, okay. I'll let the veterans yeah. do I'm this cool race. I'm cool with that. There yeah. are no hard feelings. Yeah. I'm cool with y- that. Y'all are strong. So uh, about two miles later, I had passed Abby, and she said to me, hey, bad news for both of us. I think the lead woman is actually 30 minutes ahead of us. I just heard from another pacer. And I was like, oh, okay. And I have to admit, I was a little downtrodden about that. I was like, because for a minute, I was like, I'm having the best day ever. And then she was like, P.S. There's another woman. And I was like, oh, bummer. And 15 minutes later, I passed Dustine. So when I came into mile, what? 76? 75, 76. I had very recently passed both of these women and I was running for my life. Mm -hmm. And I was a little freaked out. Yeah. Because I've never sat at the front of a race before. So it makes you want to go pee-pee in your panty. (laughs) So... You came in to the aid station, and to your credit, it was more, again, a, a freak out of utility of, like, I just need to go. Like, I need to get in. I need to get out. I can't... I think uh, I had even been prepared for you to do a full clothes change because you were, like, sweaty from all day, and it was, mm-hmm. like, as soon as you said you had to go, it was like, oh, nope, this is, like, make sure you have enough food and water to get yes. to the next thing, and that's it. Did you know when I popped up out of trail that I was in the lead when you saw me, or did you not? I don't think so because you came out and uh, this was one of the campgrounds, so it was a bit more of an open space and it was dark, so you, it was harder to tell. And you were like, Annie, 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 which yes. was super helpful because, yes. I mean, everybody looks the same with a headlamp yes. on. Um, 
but I don't think I knew you were... No, I did know as soon as you came in because okay. I had been using that as like time markers. Like Abby comes in, Dusty comes in, Lauren, Lauren comes, comes in. in. Okay. Um, so I was I was su- pleasantly <laughs> surprised. Yeah, excited. it was so cool. <laughs> so we changed. We uh, loaded up your pack uh, with some ice and water, and you had some ramen. And I was like, let's just. Oh, and we changed watch watches. Yes, That's my watch what it was. Had died, so I lost. I think one whole mile. Yeah. And I did not sweat it because I just thought anything that's going to cause you anxiety, you need to chuck it right now. Yeah. So just put a new watch on, yep. put your tailwind in your bag and just don't yep. like, don't let anything grab at you yep. right now. So we walked out of the aid station for, I don't know, maybe a quarter mile together just for her to eat ramen while I was holding her poles. Which and just a kind great of, idea yeah. strategically to not be seen at the aid yes. station. Yeah. Because by the time I had walked back to the aid station, Abby and Dusty were there. <gasps> and I think them... And I, uh, Abby ended up leaving the aid station 14, 14 minutes. minutes after Lauren did. That will ring in my head forever. Yes. 14 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> and it was a really great strategy because if you can see somebody at the aid station, You're gonna it totally them. buoys you to be like, I got to get out of here yes. too. And so you guys just missing each other, I think, uh, helped... <laughs> it just helped them feel like I'm just gonna sit here for Were a they minute. there together at the same time? They must have they didn't come in together, but their time in the aid station overlapped. But they were there at the same time yes. at some point. Yeah. Okay. We were in this weird twilight zone between you passing people, people getting lost, Dusty becoming first, Abby becoming second, you guys being together, me seeing Abby at the aid station, but not Dusty, but Dusty left before Abby. It was crazy. Whoa. So a lot happened within that like four mile span. Oh, and okay. Yeah. I'm remembering some things now. Yeah, yeah. So the only time I was ever pitiful all day is when I came into 80, which was like a really tiny, no frills aid station. It was just one dude with a table and some stuff. And I was like, he was like, what do you need? And I was like, (sighs) (laughs) like, I couldn't do anything. I was like, I like, essentially I was like, I don't fucking know. (laughs) And he was like, this and I was like, Ugh. he's like this and I was like, <laughs> this even worse. Yeah, I just first I remember being kind of a poop there, and as soon as I left, I was like, Lauren, you did not follow the co- the code, which is smile at every aid station. And don't thank, be pitiful. Don't be pitiful, and thank every person. And I was like, I'm gonna just take my soup. <laughs> <laughs> this quesadilla doesn't have avocado in it. <laughs> Get so, this trash away from me. <laughs> so I left eighty or whatever it was, just feeling sorry for myself. And then I started to get a little bit of gut flip. And then I got off trail and squatted down and thought, all right, here come all the poops. And here then comes I, a poop parade. I'm sorry to tell you all the gruesome details, but I was just like, maybe if I don't start the fire sale, then it won't happen. Yeah. So pulled up my little panties and was like, Lauren, make a diamond. There's no time for pooping. You're a, you could be on your way to the most amazing thing that you've ever yeah. done in an athletic endeavor. Yeah. Maybe don't squat on a tree crying right now. Now, was the trail nap potential before or after this? It was after this. Okay. So, I'd, 80 to 90 are completely blank to me. Completely and totally blank. Other than despair, pain, physical discomfort, bowel discomfort. Just thinking, here come the poops. <laughs> Everything's going to go wrong. Everything's fucked here. And at mile 89 or 90, I started to fall asleep. I think this is my body's way of saying, you're so fucking anxious, shut it all down right now. Shut it all down. You get nothing. We don't know what to do with this, so yeah. reset. Yes. Restart. Yeah, I mean, I had never I had never before 
actually raced a hundred yeah ever yeah so my body I think freaked out and my eyes started to cross and I started to like cross one leg over the other while I was walking so I was falling off trail yeah even though I had poles and I was just like for a whole mile I was death marching and I think Ryan Gelfie saw he was like oh yeah mile 90 is like a 22 minute mile what were you doing yeah Uh, well I was sleepwalking yeah and I decided I could see a cut like maybe three switchbacks back behind me I could see a headlamp and I thought, I'm done. I'm done being chased. I'm done freaking out. I'm done running as fast as I can. being in the lead. I can't stand this. I fucking give up, man. I need to sleep. I just need to sleep. (laughs) So I laid down on the trail. I put my head on a mossy rock and I thought, 10 minute dirt nap, not the actual dirt nap. Nap on the dirt. Nap on dirt. (laughs) Not die for 10 minutes. Not die. (laughs) And I thought, just reset and take second place. Let Dusty go because I assume that's who was behind me at that point. And, and then you won't have to worry anymore because this is too much worrying. And I was probably down for a minute and 35 seconds. And then I said, if Anne Lang was here, she would <laughs> smack you so fucking hard. You better get off that fucking rock right now. I love how I'm like the bitch Jiminy Cricket to like eight different <laughs> ultra runners. <laughs> I've heard this line of like thinking so many times from different people, men and women, just being like, if oh, Anne Lang saw me, or what would Anne Lang do? Yep. I think it's crazy because on the inside, I feel like a big squished sad bear That's like everybody ridiculous. else does in an ultra. But yeah, people anyhow. do like 40 year old dudes are like, if there's three feet of snow, I better go out or else Anne Lang will be disappointed in me. So I dumped water on my face, which probably had tailwind in it. So I was probably covered in bugs because I had no. Come to, now that I'm remembering this moment, I didn't have water with me, I had only tailwind. <laughs> Holy shit. And so I sprayed. squished, I sprayed my whole face. <laughs> with tailwind, which is the stickiest substance on earth. It, it is did the not, sti- This is why I have zits all over my face right now. This all makes sense. So I sprayed myself down with tailwind, a little sucralose. It really is the salt. only thing you need <laughs> for eating, for Showering. bathing. <laughs> so I covered myself in some of that. I literally smacked myself repeatedly in the face. By now, the full moon was bright. Oh, it was a beautiful night. It was. And I looked at my watch and I thought, you have maybe an hour before the sun rises. Make it to the sunrise and you will feel better. It's time to fucking go. And I promised myself, I had made it three miles from the last aid station. I had four four more to go. I said, you must run for your life until you get to mile 94.8 aid station to make a gap again. Because you, this whole giving up thing, you're a little bitch. Yeah. Stop being a little bitch. Yeah. So I cranked Eminem on my headphones as loud as he will go because he's basically the only thing that incentivizes me anymore. He's basically the only thing that like whip cracks my whippy ass <laughs> and makes me want to run for the hills. Till your balls fall off. Till, till my balls fall off, which are not the lyrics. <laughs> so I listen to Till My Balls Fall Off or t- Till I Collapse on repeat for four miles and I don't know what kind of gap I made, but I, the sun had come up, I completely felt brand new, and I had discovered that the only solution to being exhausted and your eyes crossing is running fast. Yeah. But I was also getting really, really, really hot, which yeah. I'd like to mention that previously in the evening, one of my possible ways out of this race was that I was going to tell Annie that I had a weird fever because all my flesh felt really hot to the touch. And I'm sure you guys know from previous podcasts that it's my MO to ask to go to the hospital. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And my way to the hospital, I had, I had a couple. What was my other one? Oh, uh, So the weird flushing 
that your calf had ripped again. Yeah, I was like, oh, God, it, it feels like it could. It might rip. I hope it rips. And there was a third one that was so, like... Even more ridiculously pitiful. I can't remember what it was. And uh, as, she, as she was listing these after the race, I was like, oh, you think I would let you go for flushing? That I was falling asleep. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that you were, like, passing out. I was going to out. I was going to black out. So these are my three. My calf was ripped. I was blacking out, and then I had weird flushing on my skin. <laughs> so these were my three excuses between 60 and 80 to be like, Annie. I gotta go. I gotta my, go. My skin is redder than normal. <laughs> Fuck you. I really wanted to go to the hospital. It's, my, it's the only thing I want when I'm pathetic. So you guys, really, this is why I get, I'm like the bitchy Jiminy Cricket, because I'm saying you can't stop an ultra because your skin feels flushed. <laughs> Really, there's no way that anyone will let me go to the hospital. So, But you became a new person. I did. So I completely, I, I skyrocketed to the moon and was like, woo! And uh, right before that aid station, the sun had come up and I saw the best hallucination I have ever seen in a race ever. At the very top of this, this hill to my right were these two and a half story high brown elephants, who were obviously trees in real life, but... Their ears were flapping in slow motion in the wind, and their tusks were rising from the dirt to the air in slow motion and, like, flicking up to the sky. And I stopped in my tracks for, like, 15 seconds, and I was like, that is so fucking beautiful. I have never seen anything this gorgeous with my eyes. And I was like, and it's not there, so let's go. (laughs) So you might be scared of your hallucinations when you can enjoy them. That was probably the first time I've ever like, looked directly at a hallucination and been, like, um, still there. Amazing. Yeah. It was there, no matter how I blinked or slapped myself, there were giant elephants. Maybe and they... tailwinds like bath salts when you spray it on your face. <laughs> <laughs> it's very dangerous. So I popped up out on the road at 94. Yeah. And then I knew, I knew that I had it. Yeah. Because I had juice in the tank, miraculously. Yeah. My quads were shot because I've never run this much of a race before. Yeah. So I was actually kind of sore from so much running and so little hiking. Yeah. But I dumped my pack. Dumped pack. You ran on a sports bra. Like, because again, guys, it continued to get hotter. Um, you just took your waist belt. <laughs> Although, uh, after you left, it was like, oh shit, like she left her, he- her music, her headphones. And I was, my I thought, butt wipes. Yeah. My, my race bib. Yes. Thank you, Stuart, for not disqualifying me from this race. <laughs> just, just everything. Because we had talked before too about 94 or it's essentially mile 95 before the finish was going to be like, get rid of everything. Actually, it's essentially mile 93 because there are seven to go. Cause it's yeah. a hundred point nine mile race. Good point. Um, and just, uh, having like. A free home stretch. Yes. But, uh... I may have needed some of those things. Well, and the the good race intel that you got on the on the trail about the climbs in the last stretch. Oh, holy shit. This guy named Spencer who's run this race, I think he's buckled in it five times. He's the most delightful human being in the entire world. He was uh, listening to, I don't know, some horrible music, Linkin Park or something when I had come Limp up. Limp Biscuit. Limp Biscuit. They're the same in my mind. <laughs> but he was just cheering me on the whole time. Every time we would yo-yo, he would be like, you're a rock star. And he had told me, hey, Lauren, I want you to know I've run this race many times. And once you get to 94, you are not in the clear. There are three very steep switchbacks up and down before you get to the finish. Mm -hmm. They are a horrible bitch and you will want to die. And I was like, okay, thanks. So when I got to 94, I thought, all right, I'm ready for this. I'm going to power hike my balls off. And I did. There were several runnable miles before we got to the mm-hmm. uh, steep climbs, but I passed one man and with four to go, 
And he was not speaking, but I said, hey, if you see a woman come up behind you, will you just scream, caca? <laughs> That's great. He didn't even... He didn't even grunt at me. No. No words. And I know why. I mean, when you're in the dark place, there's nothing yeah. you can do. The last three miles of this race were the longest three miles of my whole life. The If you look at the elevation profile, they are yeah. hysterical little bumps. Yeah. And However, they are the most... It's the steepest climbs of the whole race. Because the rest of the race is kind of like rollers the is. whole time. Like, it gradually is. up, gradually down. Gradually up, gradually down. They were a bitch. Yeah. So then, And then the last... The final mile is like through sand gravel... Through the campgrounds. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> with cor- maybe half a mile to go, I thought, I'm just going to sit down here and pee real quick because I don't want to be shaking hands and having fun and thinking, oh, God, shut up. I just want to go pee. <laughs> I got to go pee. So I peed. And then Annie was sitting at a picnic table with maybe a quarter mile to go. Yeah. And uh, I f- nothing was broken. Yeah. My, my mind was not broken. Yeah, you were moving really well. She also did not have the context of seeing what other people had been like coming into the race. A lot of people, and I don't know, I don't know, it seemed like it must have been a very grindy race because a lot of people were coming in with like that ouch, 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 mm-hmm. ouch, ouch gate where they were kind of, they were very stiff. And she was actually shuffling along pretty damn well. Um, and uh, it, the race finishes at Bass's River Resort, and uh, so I was able to meet her, like, at the edge of the resort area, and I was thinking, like, oh, I'll run in with her a little bit, and Lauren, because <laughs> you get something in your head, and that's... Uh, that's I obsessed about it for six yeah, miles so she straight. Yeah, so she God was like, it. I don't have my bib. I'm going to get DQ'd because I don't have my bib. I was like, I... I I think it's okay, but I will go run ahead and it was get your bib. It was extremely important yes, to me. Yes, um, obviously, and because, again, you don't want to... Some races are hard asses about that stuff, yeah, and they it's are. a big fucking deal. So I went and I was like, hey, is it okay if she doesn't have her bib? And they're like, oh, yeah, just make sure she gives us the rip-off tab later for, like, bookkeeping reasons. <laughs> so I, like, came out of saying, I was, like, videotaping. I was like, yeah, woo! Um, and later she still was like, Where's my bib? Well, I mean, <laughs> I know. you feel like you have this tenuous grasp yes. on something, which is like yes. leading a race. Yeah. I mean, it's like running a Laz race. It's like, don't even take your fucking phone. Because yeah. for, if there were some tiny chance that someone was tracking yes. you in some possible yes. location yeah, way, like you wouldn't want to th- you have would, it. Yes. You would rather set your hands on yes. fire. I want I want to make sure that I'm clear that I think it was a totally valid concern. Thank it just you. it just cracked me up. Well, for six miles, every footfall was my bib, my bib, my bib, my bib, my bib. That's all I could think about. Yeah. Two two hours. So you're in the actual real home stretch of the race. Yeah. Wow. And so uh, I just it's the first time I've ever finished a race this long without crying. I think I was more stupefied than anything else. And she won. <laughs> she fucking won. <laughs> I just she could, won. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have any emote. I mean, I couldn't properly emote because I was just like, what? <laughs> also, this we were discussing that we think this is the first ultra that Lauren's finished without crying, like yes. at the end. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And not to not to say there's not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, lots of us cry at the end of every single ultra because it's very emotional or it's very painful. Um, but I thought it was just an indication of how the day had gone. Yeah, I mean, when I, I I'm sure when I was in it, I was thinking this is the worst thing in the entire world. I'm having a terrible time, and I will remember this time as being terrible. But when I think of the whole story as a big chunk, I think okay, that was actually executed 
really well. Really well. Like, when the darkness came, you faltered a little, mm-hmm. and then you got back up. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I had a plan for that, too, and I feel like that gritty tittiness came from Pitchell, where it was just like, no matter what, even if you have meth face, yeah. you're going to keep racing. Keep trudging forward. Yes. Yeah. And I got some serious meth face. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So good. And it's funny because we were talking afterwards and she just kept saying how she went to the dark place. And I also think it's interesting that the timeliness of when your dark patch happens is relevant. And you had yours pretty close to the end in the grand scheme mm-hmm. of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just kept reiterating, every time you came into an aid station, you were so on it and not, you were not pitiful. You were not mean to me. <laughs> you were not uh, like... It is a major concern. Like, there was no, there didn't seem to be any bad feelings going on. Yeah. So it was, to, from my perspective, I was like, holy shit, she's like completely solid you know, this whole time. And I don't think that is actually feeling different. I think it's the perception of the feeling because yeah. I've definitely felt the exact same poopiness at every single race. Yeah. It's just that now you expect it. So you're like, oh, hello, old friend. Yeah. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> and you're just like, all right, I'm, I'm going to, you know, like, who is it? Jared Campbell. I'm going to give this pain to an imaginary friend. Yes. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, I'll send it to these two story high elephants. Yeah. Well, it just, it was all about perception, and I just de- you just decide not to be pitiful. I mean, that really is a strategy. Yes. I promise. Yeah. It doesn't sound possible, yeah. but after you do it 12 times, yeah, just pretend that you're okay. Yeah. And, I mean, that's part of a lot of what I talk about in body positivity is, like, you fake it till you make it. Yeah. And you can fake being okay and then be okay again. Yes. You can legitimately fake being okay yeah. and then soar back into awesomeness. Which is insane. Like, the power of your brain cannot be understated. I mean, I saw that at Big's Backyard, too, where there was just two guys left. And they, I think, essentially, they pretended so hard to be okay and positive that they were okay and positive. Yes. yes. And this is part of, like, not having a pacer was good because when I have nothing, no complaints... No, per, no sounding board to send my complaints to, then there are no complaints. And the other thing about this race that was completely unique for me is that Gelfie had told me about this feeling before that I had never thought I would experience, which is competition can send you to a level of performance that you've never known existed. Yeah. And that definitely happened for me because those last six miles, I really wanted to walk them in and felt like I had earned the walking of them in. Right. And then I just couldn't risk being chased. Yeah. So I did something... And my body let me. Yeah. It, it like, it opened another door past the end point in which there is a new room. There's a new level. <laughs> There's a new level. And that is driven by competition. And yeah. I have to say, this is an, it, it has exciting implications for racing in the future for me. Because yeah. I feel like if you can sort of hold on to that, like, before you blow up, but just ahead of that possibility level, yeah. like, there's this fun zone yeah and i stayed in that fun zone yeah pretty amazing first win woohoo at a hundo no less so great i i I don't know that it's sunk in yet i'm not really sure i I like to pet my little piece of wood (laughs) once in a while that i that i got at the uh, award ceremony oh also the award ceremony super cute it's very old-fashioned you don't get your buckles when you finish everyone finishes and after that time everyone comes back and they call out your name, your time, 
you get to shake hands with the race director and he hands you your buckle yeah. and god almighty that is just my favorite thing yeah and that's what they do at hard rock so i wonder if he modeled it after that with, i love it it was it was really great and just to put like faces to names because i mean you can end up being in a bubble where mm-hmm. you don't see anyone that's in front of you and you don't see anyone that's behind you so being able to see the guy who won the won the overall race to see the woman who won the overall race it was lauren <laughs> <laughs> and then also dfl or dead fucking last also got an award for yep. last mule in the barn which i always think is dope because the it's person awesome. who is last is the person who had to make it work for the most time out yes, of everybody and that was my new friend jen yeah and yeah. i say big ups jen yeah that rules yeah that's I, a, that's yeah, all I don't got. know. I don't know what else we can say. Um, just kudos to you. That was a really <laughs> badass, Thanks, man. badass Thanks for being run. there. Yeah, it, it really means the world to me. So, well, uh, join us next week when we will discuss. We don't know what yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you then.